Chapter One, Part Three of Lady Molly of Scotland Yard by Baroness Orsi. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Nine Score Mystery, Part Three. Public excitement had by now reached a very high pitch. It was no longer a case of mere local interest. The country inns all round the immediate neighbourhood were packed with visitors from London, artists, journalists, dramatists, and actor-managers, while the hotels and fly-proprietors of Canterbury were doing a roaring trade. Certain facts and one vivid picture stood out clearly before the thoughtful mind in the midst of a chaos of conflicting and irrelevant evidence. The picture was that of the two women tramping in the wet and pitch-dark night towards Canterbury. Beyond that everything was a blur. When did Mary Nichols come back to Nine Score, and why? To keep an appointment made with Lionel Lydgate, it was openly whispered. But that appointment, if the rough notes were interpreted rightly, was for the very day on which she and her sister went away from home. A man's voice called to her at half-past six, certainly, and she replied to it. Franklin, the carter, heard her, but half an hour afterwards Mrs. Hooker heard her voice when she left home with her sister, and she visited Mrs. Williams after that. The only theory compatible with all this was, of course, that Mary merely accompanied Susan part of the way to Canterbury, then went back to meet her lover, who enticed her into the deserted grounds of Ash Court, and there murdered her. The motive was not far to seek. Mr. Lionel Lydgate, about to marry, wished to silence forever a voice that threatened to be unpleasantly persistent in its demands for money and in its threats of scandal. But there was one great argument against that theory, the disappearance of Susan Nichols. She had been extensively advertised for. The murder of her sister was published broadcast in every newspaper in the United Kingdom. She could not be ignorant of it. And above all, she hated Mr. Lydgate. Why did she not come and add the weight of her testimony against him, if, indeed, he was guilty? And if Mr. Lydgate was innocent, then where was the criminal? And why had Susan Nichols disappeared? Why, why, why? Well, the next day would show. Mr. Lionel Lydgate had been cited by the police to give evidence at the adjourned inquest. Good-looking, very athletic, and obviously frightfully upset and nervous, he entered the little courtroom, accompanied by his solicitor, just before the coroner and jury took their seats. He looked keenly at Lady Molly as he sat down, and from the expression on his face I guessed that he was very much puzzled to know who she was. He was the first witness called. Manfully and clearly he gave a concise account of his association with the deceased. "'She was pretty and amusing,' he said. "'I liked to take her out when I was in the neighborhood. It was no trouble to me. There was no harm in her, whatever the village gossips might say. I know she had been in trouble, as they say, but that had nothing to do with me. It wasn't for me to be hard on a girl, and I fancy that she has been very badly treated by some scoundrel.' Here he was hard-pressed by the coroner, who wished him to explain what he meant. But Mr. Lydgate turned obstinate, and to every leading question he replied stolidly and very emphatically, "'I don't know who it was. It had nothing to do with me. But I was sorry for the girl because of everyone turning against her, including her sister. And I tried to give her a little pleasure when I could.' That was all right, very sympathetically told. The public quite liked this pleasing specimen of English cricket, golf, and football-loving manhood. Subsequently, Mr. Lydgate admitted meeting Mary on December 26th and January 1st, but he swore most emphatically that that was the last he ever saw of her. "'But the 23rd of January,' here insinuated the coroner, "'you made an appointment with the deceased then?' "'Certainly not,' he replied. 
"'But you met her on that day?' "'Most emphatically no,' he replied quietly. "'I went down to Edbrooke Castle, my brother's place in Lincolnshire, on the twentieth of last month, and only got back to town about three days ago.' "'You swear to that, Mr. Lydgate?' asked the coroner. "'I do, indeed, and there are a score of witnesses to bear me out. The family, the house-party, the servants.' He tried to dominate his own excitement, I suppose, poor man. He had only just realized that certain horrible suspicions had been resting upon him. His solicitor pacified him, and presently he sat down, whilst I must say that everyone there present was relieved at the thought that the handsome young athlete was not a murderer after all. To look at him it certainly seemed preposterous. But then, of course, there was the deadlock, and as there were no more witnesses to be heard, no new facts to elucidate, the jury returned the usual verdict against some person or persons unknown, and we, the keenly interested spectators, were left to face the problem. Who murdered Mary Nichols, and where was her sister Susan? End of Part 3 of the Nine Score Mystery